Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. Mark chapter, Mark chapter 16. Tonight, since it is uh, Mother's Day, we are going to talk about moms. And, and as we talk about moms, you know, we, we talk about women. And when, women are wonderful. They're amazing. But something happens to a woman when she becomes a mom. Something very special and unique. There's a grace that, that comes over their life. And a new dimension of this motherhood is awakened anytime a woman becomes a mom. And so tonight we want to talk about motherhood. We're not going to talk about moms. We're going to talk about motherhood. Because when we talk about moms, there's a whole broad spectrum of what we can talk about when it comes to, to talking about moms. Because we all think about our mom, right? And maybe... You had an amazing mom. Maybe you have an amazing, incredible mom. But the truth is that some of us come from families where we didn't have an amazing, incredible, super awesome, wonderful, and terrific mom. And so if we were to just talk about moms, not only would it, would it maybe alienate you or ostracize you, but it could also bring up some painful memories of, of your mom. But when we talk about motherhood, that kind of shifts the focus a, a little bit. And I don't know how many of you know a lot about my story. Uh, Nate's going to talk about this tonight. I feel like I'm taking all of your announcements, Nate. But uh, Nate's going to remind you that uh, sign up is now open for the next Meet the Tribe dinner. If you go to tribejh.com, you can sign up online. Not right now because you're taking copious notes, right, and paying attention. But if you go to tribejh.com, under events, you'll see our next Meet the Tribe dinner. You can sign up for that. Space is limited. But at the Meet the Tribe dinner, not only are we going to feed you a great meal, but it's an opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about my story in depth, kind of the history and origins of tribe and where we're going. And it's kind of the, the, the first entry point, the first step, if you will, in joining uh, this tribe family. And so I would really encourage you, uh, to sign up, sign up for your whole family. If you have littles, we have uh, child care that will take care of them. And if you've heard my story before, you know that I grew up uh, in a single parent family. My dad left when I was about two years old and I was raised by my mom. My mom did the, the very best that she could. But because I was a boy growing up being raised by my mom, and we also lived with my grandmother, there was always this weird tension between us because she wanted to always keep me as her little boy, and I'm trying to like, like figure out this thing called manhood and, and what it means to, be, to, to stand on my own two feet, and, and she wanted to keep me a, a little boy, and I wanted to like push away from that, and so there was always, it was always, there was always tension between us. And when I think of my mom, who passed away when I was 22 years old, uh, I have a lot of mixed feelings and emotions uh, about my mom. And maybe some of you have an amazing mom. Maybe some of you come from a family where either your mom was not on the scene at all, or maybe when you think of 
your mom, maybe you think of, of something unhealthy, something really unpleasant. And what I want you to know tonight is that we're not going to talk about, about that mom. We're not going to talk about your mom. We're going to talk about motherhood. Because when we talk about motherhood, we get, a, we get a whole new picture and a whole new light on what God intended and designed motherhood to be. And we're going to find this as we look into Mark chapter 16 together. And I want to read several verses to you, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 16. And Adrian, while I'm reading this, would you turn on those side sconces? So people don't have to like pull out their flashlights on their phone. Thank you, sir. Mark chapter 16. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And it says this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away this stone for us? The entrance, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed, for you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. And this is the shorter ending of the Gospel of Mark. Then they briefly reported all of this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at motherhood as we see here in Mark chapter 16. And if you're taking notes tonight, would you write at the top of your notes, Mom as a Mirror. That's the title of the message tonight, Mom as a Mirror. When we talk about understanding and getting to know God, all we have to do to get, a, to get a beginning picture of who God is and how he rolls is to look at man. The Bible says that God created male and female. He created them both in his image. Now, God chooses to reveal himself in Scripture with the personal pronoun of he that's in the Bible you can argue it all you want, but it's in, it's in Scripture that God chooses to reveal himself with the, with the personal pronoun of he. However, that doesn't mean that God does not have traits that are found uniquely or especially in women. If we're going to look at the whole picture of God, we can't look at just men, but we also have to look at the wonderful sides of who women are and how God created them to be. When we see men and women, especially in the context of a, of a healthy marriage, 
where their strengths complement one another and they, they have each other's back, that's a great picture of what God is like. The Bible says that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the three of them dwell in harmony with one another, preferring one another, honoring one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, and always in perfect harmony and agreement and alignment. If we want to get a picture of how God is, we can't look at we can't look at just guys. I mean, especially some guys, because some of us are, are real boneheads, right? But we have to be able to, to look at women too and, and understand the beautiful and amazing, the, the facet of the Godhead that they reveal. And even though my mom, uh, and you'll get to meet her someday, for any of you who've invited Jesus into your heart, made him the leader of your life, she's going to be up there and you'll get to meet her. Just don't tell her, don't tell her about all the stuff that happened down here like with us, okay, because she'll be mad at me. But you'll get to meet her and she's a wonderful lady. But I want to show you a picture of who I would consider to be one of my moms, a person that's poured into me, loved and invested me. So this is uh, Pat and Pam Prague. And after I graduated high school in 1993, I moved to the mountains for a little while. I was a ski bum. I packed a lot of seasons of living and skiing into just one year. And I came out of the mountains of uh, the Front Range in Colorado, back down to this, this little church. And this guy, Pat, who's, uh, you know, in the plaid shirt, he invited me to live with his family, Pam, and they have two children. Uh, that's not, that's, I guess, their third child down there. It looks a little scruffy. And uh, Pat discipled me for nine months. And when I say discipled me, I mean, he worked me like a dog. I, if you think that I am squirrely now, you should have seen me when I was like just 19 before I lived with Pat. I'd never lived with a uh, a, a healthy mom and dad before, and, and Pat was really hard on me, and Pam, Pam just loved me, she believed the best in me, and this morning, I, I sent her a text saying, happy Mother's Day uh, to, to my mom, and she texted back and said how much she, she loved me, and they have two children, um, one of their children is in his, uh, one of their children is in his 30s, and he has special needs and still lives at home. And their other child is, uh, his name is Sean, and their other child is named Hillary. And Hillary is in her, I think she's in her mid-30s, um, and she is married to a woman named Elizabeth. And this family, especially Pam, has taught me a lot about love, unconditional love, She's taught me a lot about patience. She's taught me a lot about sacrifice. She's taught me a lot about loving and giving. And uh, they live in uh, Louisville, Colorado. And who knows, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get them up here sometime and you get to meet them. But I want to talk to you tonight about how motherhood can be a mirror and a reflection of the nature and character of God. And I want to share with you five qualities of motherhood that reflect the nature and character of God. And we see those here in Mark chapter 16. So I want to share these five with you just really quick. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right. Let's look in verse 1. In verse 1, it says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, 
And Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Now, we know who Mary Magdalene is. We know Salome. We don't know a whole lot about her. But when it says Mary, the mother of James, did you know that James, which the book of James was written by, was also the blood relative brother of Jesus? So when it says Mary, the mother of James, that's the same Mary, mother of Jesus. Everybody say, oh, all right, very good. So here's the first thing that we can, here's one of the, the, the first qualities of motherhood that reflect God's nature. Number one, they are loyal and they stick together. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, it wasn't just Jesus' mom, Mary. It was Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, who is Jesus' mom, and Salome. The three of them together. It was the three of them together. And many times throughout the, the Gospels, when you see Mary, you see a group of women. These were like a, a band, not a band of brothers, but a band of sisters who stuck together, who stayed by each other's side. I can remember one time when we talk about loyalty, uh, my wife, Lissa, is fiercely loyal. She's loyal to her family, and she's loyal to anybody who happens to play on Selah's soccer team. So if Selah plays soccer with you, then you're like family, and she will be loyal to you. And I can remember uh, a time, a season or two ago, I don't know, Selah might have even heard this from being on the field, but there was a team whose team name and the origin of where that team was from and those parents will remain nameless. <clears throat> Thank you. Keep me in check. I mean, they're rotten. They are rotten. Oh, and it feels so good when we beat that team. And anyways, there was a, there was a player that was being like really like physically aggressive, man-marking Sayla, and, uh, and Sayla was, was doing a really great job of getting around her, putting the ball in the back of the net, and this girl was growing more and more frustrated. And so this girl started to play dirty and started to foul Sayla and trip her up and hold her back and all kinds of other things, and there was all kind of trash talk going on in the field. And the parents on the other team, there was this one woman that was just getting so vocal. I mean, she was getting nasty. She was saying things about our little daughter that you couldn't even say in a professional like hockey game, right? And we all know that anything goes like in a hockey game. You can pound on the glass and say anything you want. And that this mother thought that she was like at a hockey game with the things that she was saying about our little girl. Well... After about the fourth or fifth comment, our sweet Lissa, you all know her as sweet, wonderful Lissa. Well, the mama bear, the loyal mama bear in Lissa came out. She got up out of her seat, flung the chair out of the way, and made a beeline down the sidelines to talk to this woman. Three-fourths of the way there, she realized, like, wait, what am I doing? And she kind of calmed herself down. But there's something about a mother's loyalty that is so fierce and unstoppable, right? They will go into the, they'll go into withering gunfire. They'll face down any obstacle as long as they can remain loyal to that person that is in their family or in their tribe. And you know, I mean, that, isn't that how God is towards us? Isn't God fiercely loyal to us? Um, uh, 
the Bible says when Jesus is talking, he says that I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you and leave you as an orphan. I will never leave you and forsake you. There's some amazing loyalty in that. I think of uh, Heidi Summers when I think of loyalty. Her, her, her dear friend, Felice, and the Ambaugh family, uh, she, Heidi is so loyal to, to Felice and to the Ambaugh family because we're all in the same tribe together. And Heidi and her girls and some of the other, uh, other women like in her friend group have worked really hard to, to make these, this jewelry that's out here in the lobby. How many of you saw that as you were walking in? And, and so she's selling this handmade jewelry, these amazing earrings uh, as a fundraiser. Uh, so that all of the proceeds will go towards ongoing medical costs and expenses uh, for the Amba family with baby Lily. And isn't that awesome that Heidi is doing that? And Heidi would be the first to say, like, it's not me, it's not about me, and it's so true, it's really not about her. It's about her being obedient and, and, and just being loyalty, which is a beautiful expression of one of the facets of the nature and character of God. So not only is motherhood about being loyal and sticking together. But number two, they plan ahead. They plan ahead. I remember when uh, my mom uh, drove us from Waco, Texas, up to Boulder, Colorado, uh, when I was just finishing elementary school. And my mom had a little 1984 Ford Tempo and in that little tempo was all of our, our, our possessions. I had a bike on the back, and uh, it was my mom and I and our big, fat, golden retriever uh, named Pumpkin. And I named it when I was a little boy, all right? Yeah, it was cute. Pumpkin, and then I had a rabbit. Uh, I had, uh, and I also had, uh, uh, like, this white lab rat that was actually pretty cool, not as creepy as it sounds. And all of, our, all of our belongings just stuffed into this car. And I, I didn't know. I just woke up one morning. I knew that we were going to move. But when the day of the move came, I just woke up and I just grabbed my like, G.I. Joe blanket and pillow and just got in the passenger seat. My mom had done all of this planning. Moms are amazing planners. I think about, I think about Christine Schuler and her team and all the planning that, that they're doing. How many have heard about the soccer outreach that we're doing you, raise your hand. Okay, so some of y'all have, most of y'all have. So at the end of this week, uh, Jackson is host, the high school is hosting the Wyoming State 3A and 4A uh, soccer championship for men and women. And whenever you come from out of, these, from, from out of town to Jackson for, any, for anything, you know how expensive, gosh, we all know how expensive it is. Why? Because we live here. We live here. We know exactly how expensive it is. And imagine coming from some of these other places around the state. And so uh, Christine Schuler and her team uh, had this idea. What if we were able to set up a big tent and then to help offset some of the costs for schools and teams and, and families that are traveling from all over the state? What if we provided an option, a meal option for them so they wouldn't have to go out and spend like lots and lots of money uh, while they're here at state. And so Christine Schuler um, and her team, Bo and Lane and others, 
put together this idea and then sent this email out to the coaches, to the to two coaches here in town, the high school boys and the high school uh, girls, and then also the high school activity director and said, hey, we're going to provide this option. And if they're, if you want, they can sign up within, I don't know, less than 10 days, less than two weeks. We filled to capacity. And I tell you what, Thursday, Friday, and some meals on, on Saturday, this week, the 17th, 18th, and 19th, 17th, 18th, and 19th, we're going to be feeding over 200 people every day. So how cool is that? Good job, Christine. We are, we are full to capacity. Coaches from all over the state have signed up. And away we go trying to pull off the logistics of like heating food and preparing food. And so I'm so thankful for Christine Schuler and Erica Bossi and Bo and Lane and, and all of you that have signed up already to either serve, maybe, maybe you're, you're doing cleanup, maybe you're doing helping with food prep or, or whatever it is. Uh, but I'm so thankful for the advanced planning that Schuler has put into this event. And people ask me like, okay, Brian, why are we doing soccer outreach? Like, 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 how does that really fit with who we are as a church? Like, why are you so into soccer? Well, first of all, um, both of my kids play soccer and Sayla play soccer. And so uh, I'm into whatever they're into. And if I'm into it, well, guess what? But bigger than that, bigger than that. Don't you all remember at the beginning of this new year where I felt like God put one word on my heart for us as a theme for our tribe family this year? What was that one word? Connect. That one word was connect. And God wants us to connect with him. He wants us to connect with each other here in this church. And he also wants us to connect with this community. And so as this opportunity came up, the Lord was like, this is your why. Because it's an opportunity for those of you who are serving together to connect with each other to meet people. It's easy to like come in and, and say hi and pass each other and not even know who each other are. But when you serve together, you get to know one another and you become family. And that's, that's what we're about here at Tribe. But not only do you connect with each other, but it's an opportunity for us to connect with this community. And we love, we want to love and serve and be a blessing to this community. And you realize this is just the beginning, right, of the impact that we're going to have in this community. And yes, it is the community of the Teton County School District who was the very organization that denied us a place to be able to meet as we were leaving Shepherd of the Mountains, right? But there's some verse in the Bible that says something about, like, uh, when you serve and love your enemies, it's like heaping burning coals on their head or something like that. But in all honesty, I totally understand why they were like, ah, they, they just didn't want, they just couldn't wrap their heads around it. I didn't bother to tell them that for like the, the last 10 churches, established churches here in the valley, met in schools all around this valley. Did anybody, was anybody a part of a church that ever met in a school? Like the Presbyterian Church, First B, like uh, the Episcopal Church, Jackson Hole Christian Center, which is now River Crossing. They all started in schools, but I guess the Teton County School Board didn't quite... Remember that when it came time for us to submit our application. But now look where we are. Now look at where we are. Is this not a thousand times better 
than meeting in any school. We get to keep our stuff here. The parking is great. The lobby is great. Our children's ministry facility is awesome. And so God is so good in his faithfulness. And I'm going to get off the page if I don't get back to my notes. Number one, they're loyal and they stick together. Motherhood is about loyalty and sticking together. Number two, they plan ahead. Listen to what Psalms 139 verse 5 says. I want to encourage you to write this verse down. Psalms 139 verse 5. And this is out of the Passion Translation. And it says this. Oh, how amazing is this? You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. I love that God has planned ahead. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth were established, Jesus had offered to pay the price for our sins by dying on the cross. He had a plan. And I love how moms always have a plan. Now let's keep going. In verse 2, it says, it says this. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they, this group of women, went to the tomb. So number one, not only are they loyal and they stick together, motherhood is about planning ahead, which also reflects the nature and character of God. But number three, they aren't afraid of hard work. It says very early Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Now, what are they going to the tomb to do? They're going to the tomb to prepare Jesus's body for burial. Now, this is not something that, that we ever even think about or anything that we ever have to do here in our modern society, but we have to go back, rewind the clock 2,000 years ago, and consider what it meant to prepare a body for burial 2,000 years ago. First of all, they didn't have like fancy coffins. They didn't really do like, like cremation like we have as an option today. They literally had to prepare a body for burial, and the body would go into a tomb it would decompose, and when it was just bones, family members would go back later, collect those bones, put them in an ossuary or a bone box, and then set it on the shelf with all of their other relatives. But in order to prepare the body, they would take strips of cloth, and they would take uh, spices to, to, to help preserve the bones, and then also to keep down on the smell. But I don't know if any of you have ever like prepared a body Bible style. Okay, good. Oh, so glad you didn't raise your hand that time. But it would take as much as 70 pounds of spices and strips of fabric to properly prepare a, a burial, a body for burial in the Middle East. And so you've got these women carrying 70 pounds of cloth and of spices and of different things to prepare the body. They get up early in the morning and they head off to Jesus' tomb. They're not afraid to work hard. You know, not only are women mothers and with motherhood, not only are they able to do hard work, but they're able to do a lot of work. I am continually amazed at my wife's ability to multitask. And let me just ask you, for how many of you uh, husbands in here, are you just absolutely amazed at your wife's ability to multitask, right? Guys, this is your chance to answer. Go, oh, I saw that elbow in the ribs. <laughs> yes, honey. Are they not amazing? 
Like, this happened, this happened just the other week. I had to call Lisa because I didn't know where my pants were. And I... What? I didn't know where my pants were. I called Liz. I said, what are you doing? She was right in the middle of uh, gassing up her, her car. She had just bought lunches for the kids, was on her way to take lunches to the kids, putting gas in her car at Smith's, and then she was like on her way to Josie's before she had a lunch, before she had to come here to help set up and do rehearsal, and, and it was just uh, amazing. And I don't know how she does it as a multitasker. Like, whenever I go to get gas at, at Smith's, you know, like, how you have to punch in all those buttons? I feel like I'm working, like, a college, like, level, like, like calculator with all the buttons that I have to press. Lisa is talking on the phone, pushing all those buttons, getting gas, all these other things. When I go to get gas, I'm like, beep, beep. I, I, it's so complicated. Like, I, like I just want to put gas in my car. I don't want to, like, split an atom. Like, just, I don't know how my wife can multitask like she does. They're not afraid to work hard. Listen to what Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says. Paul, the apostle Paul is talking, and he says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. God is committed to doing the hard work of conforming us into his likeness. The Bible says that someday we're going to see him face to face. And when we see him, we're going to be just like him. And if we're going to be just like him, that means that one of us has to change, right? And it ain't going to be him. There's a lot that I have to grow into as I follow Jesus. And in the same way that... that Mothers get up early and they stay up late and they work so hard in that same way. They're a beautiful reflection of the nature and character of God because God is committed to the hard work of conforming us into his image and likeness. Is this sounding good to anybody so far? Okay, now let's look at number four. Number four, and I want to read verse three to you from our same passage. Verse 3, on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone force from the entrance of the tomb? As we've talked about already, not only do our, our mothers loyal and they stick together, but they also plan ahead. Not only do they plan ahead, but they're not afraid of hard work. And here's number four, they live with great faith. If my mom were here today, I don't know if she would be surprised <laughs> to see me on this stage or if she would be really surprised <laughs> to, see me <laughs> to see me on this stage. But I don't know if I ever had anybody believe in me more than my mom, except maybe my wife, Lissa. But moms have been given this amazing gift of faith. Maybe as their child, maybe you saw it. Maybe you never got to see it. But every mom has been given this incredible gift of faith. Faith for their husband, faith for the future, faith for their children, 
My mom was always really great at, at believing in me. And they had this amazing ability to face great odds with confidence in God's ability. That's where their faith comes. Great moms have great confidence in God's ability. Think about in the verse that we just read in chapter 3. They were asking each other, who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? And I know that we've talked about this. We've kind of been on like a, a resurrection theme ever since Easter, which I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, we've talked about this. Whenever a body was placed into a tomb, they didn't just like, like you know, take like a basketball and go, and like lift a basketball-sized stone in place to cover the tomb. The tomb was something you had to go in, so it was like a relatively large entrance. And to have a stone big enough to cover the entrance of the tomb, the Bible records in, in different places in the gospel that once the tomb was sealed, there were 16 Roman soldiers there to guard it. It was a large stone. There was no way three women were ever going to be able to move that stone, even if they were, had been like crushing it in the CrossFit open workout. There's no way, even like with three of them in some sort of partner wall, they could never do it. But yet, here they are, very early that morning. They've gathered 70 pounds of spices, and they're on their way to prepare a body for burial that they can't even get to. Moms have, and motherhood, is an incredible gift of faith that they exercise each and every day. And in that same way, they are a reflection of the nature and character of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Just write this verse down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And you can come back, read it later as you unpack this message. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. The NIV says the author and perfecter of faith. Author is the originator. God is the ultimate being who lives by faith. Faith in his, the integrity of his word. Faith in his ability. Faith in his word that he's, he's promised to live according to. And he is the author of our faith. He's the one that, that took faith from him, part of his nature and character. The Bible says that each person has been given a measure of faith. And Jesus himself said that measure of faith, it may be so small that it could be the size of a mustard seed. But when that seed of faith is planted in the soil of your heart, standing for and believing and contending for God's promises, Jesus himself said, that faith the size of a mustard seed will, will germinate and will grow and it will grow. And the Bible says it can be shade for people and, and nests and home for birds. It grows into this beautiful, large, robust thing. But it all comes from God. And moms and motherhood is meant to be a beautiful reflection of that faith. And here's the last one. Verse 5. It says this. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. All we need to do is read to the comma. When they entered the tomb. If we're talking about five principles 
of motherhood that reflect the nature and character of God. We have to talk about how moms have the courage to enter into dark places. In the same way that those women walked right into tombs. How many of you enjoy walking into tombs, right? Well, if you're going to raise the dead, makes sense then. <laughs> That's good. I knew exactly what you meant when you raised your hand. That was good. They have the courage to walk into dark places. I think about the darkest place that, that I ever had to walk into, and, uh, and I was absolutely terrified. It was when Selah was just a baby, I mean, just a little baby, and she wasn't sleeping like in, in our room with us anymore. She was just beginning to sleep in her own room through the night, and one morning, uh, I, I woke up, and Lissa was still in bed, and uh, I walked into to Selah's room, and I opened the doorknob, and this is, I mean, I was, I was terrified. I opened up the door, and it wasn't so much what I saw, but it was what I smelled that terrified me. I thought something horrible had happened, that there had been some sort of toxic chemical spill. I thought it was a, a, like, a, like, a, like a, some sort of like chemical warfare. I thought a terrorist had snuck into my daughter's room and planted something in that room that smelled so awful and so foul, I was terrified. What did I do? As it was like, Brian, you got to man up. You're a father now. And so what did I do? I closed that door, and I walked right back into the bedroom. Lissa, something is wrong with Selah in the bedroom, and you've got to go change it. Lissa gets up out of the bed. She opens the door, and it hit her. I mean, she's, you all know Selah, how precious and sweet and beautiful she is. This is the last time she ever comes to this church. <laughs> and what did Lissa do? I mean, she like kicked open that door like Chuck Norris, went in there, <laughs> changed it, and I... They have the courage to enter dark places. As that's a humorous story, there's also a, a very real side to authentic motherhood. They hold us. They're willing to, to go to that place where we have pain and hurt and anger. And they don't stand at a distance like dads do and say, hey, you got to get your mind right and then come talk to me. Moms jump right in there, don't they? They they pick us up from jail the morning after without saying a word. When we're crying, when we're broken, when we're shattered, they have this ability to go right into that dark place and to be there for us. Am I telling the truth? They pick us up when we fall. Even when we rage against them, when we think that they are limiting us, when they think that, when, when we accuse them of not understanding us, 
when, because of our own emotional pain and confusion, we think that they hate us or they're trying to control us or they're trying to be mean. They have this ability to just go right into that dark place in the same way that as that stone was rolled away from the tomb, these three women, now just think about this, Mary was going in to see what she, where she thought her son was laid. She went right into that dark place. I think the, the Lord is whispering to my heart right now saying, some of you have a mom, some of you have in this room have a mom who was there for you in some of your darkest days of your pain where you thought you were all alone. But your mom was right there in that darkness praying for you, contending for you, loving you. And you may need to make a little note in your notes tonight to, to call that mom. Maybe you have a broken relationship with her. Maybe you've got a great relationship with her. And call her and say, thanks for being there for me. In the same way, Jesus bore our pain. The Bible says that he was crushed for our sins. Our infirmity was laid upon him. Jesus knows the human condition because he lived it as a human. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was wounded. He was hurt. All the things that a mother goes through. A mom is a beautiful example reflecting the nature and character of God when it comes to having the courage to go into dark places. So I said there are five things, but I want to read verse 8 to you as we land the, land the plane tonight. Verse 8 says this, The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. They said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. They briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterwards, Jesus himself sent them out from the east to the west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Here's something that's interesting, that if there's anything that I could maybe say to, to moms in here tonight, as I was going through this, I came up with these five points that I feel like the Lord highlighted to me. But then he said, there's something else that I want you to talk about. And I go, okay, what, Lord? And he led me to this passage. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And the Lord just whispered to my heart, and he said, well, what did they, what did they come to the tomb with? And I was like, uh, you know, when the Lord asks you a question, it's not because he actually is like asking you for information, right? He's trying to get you to, to see something in here. And I usually go, I don't see it. Just tell me. <laughs> and then he showed me when they came to the tomb, they carried 70 pounds of strips of cloth, fabric and spices to prepare a body for burial. In verse 8, we see no mention of them taking any of that stuff with them when they leave. They came to the tomb with a heavy burden, but they left with a powerful testimony. The Lord put on my heart to share with you 
that sometimes as a mom, you may be carrying an unnecessary burden that was never designed for you to carry as a mom. There are some things that are just out of your control. And when you continue to carry 70 pounds of baggage with you, you miss the powerful encounter at the tomb. That's why God brought you to this place of feeling overwhelmed, underprepared, just like you're not in control. He designed some of these circumstances to bring you to that place so that you would lay your burdens down. And this not only goes for moms, right? Doesn't this go for all of us? That we're always trying to carry so much and think that it's our responsibility for this, 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 and this. I'm not saying that we don't have any responsibility. But here's what the Lord would say to your heart tonight. All that you're carrying is not all your responsibility. Will you close your eyes? Maybe there's, while I'm talking, maybe there's something that the Lord would put on your heart that you're carrying around that you just need to leave at the empty tomb. Maybe there's an area of your life or something that God is working with you on that you've just been carrying around thinking that you need to solve it, fix it, figure it out all for yourself. The Lord would tell you whether you're a mom or a dad, whatever, a guy or a girl, would you drop that? They came to the tomb with a heavy burden. God wants you to leave with a powerful testimony of what he's doing in your life. So Father, I just pray for my tribe fam, and I just ask that your Holy Spirit would draw close to each and every human heart in here tonight. As we take this day to to honor motherhood, you have something specific for each one of us, whether we're a mom or not. Would you whisper that to our heart right now? Just let him talk to you.